Welcome to another Daily Takeaway. It's Bush and Richie here. Uh, do please get in touch with us, hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk, or, of course, you can write to us. Uh, our address uh, is online if you Google it. <laughs> but you don't know where it is. Absolute Radio. Yeah. One Golden Square. Yeah. And if you want the postcodes, uh, Raw Mail got a postcode finder. Do you not know? I thought you'd have known the... I th- well, do you know what? Uh, the, yeah. the, the, the beginning of this edition of the Daily Takeaway has gone a completely different direction right now. At the end of it, we've got something to open. Yeah. But right now, a little bit of jeopardy. I don't know the postcode of where I work. Can I actually have a guess? That, because part of it has got something to do with what we do. Yeah. Has it? In the postcode. Yeah. Do you know the door number? One. I've just said that. All right. Chippy. So, so look, I'm going to rattle what we're going to open at the end. A lovely listener sent it to us. Have a guess at the postcode. W, because we're in the West End. Yep. It's a new quiz, TV quiz <laughs> format, this. What would you call a quiz show all about postcodes? Guess your own postcode. That's a good one. How oh. long have you worked here? 13 years. 14 years. W9? Nope. Ah, oh, does that, that mean I'm out? You're out. Go on, then. W1F, mm-hmm. and then here's the bit, which is what we do, 9DJ. There is a 9 in there! That's not how it works. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. How's it going? This show, a workplace huddle around the water cooler after the weekend. Or, these days, teams meeting. (laughs) That's what it is. Need to talk about long journeys and disappointing outcomes. I went to uh, watch a football match over the weekend. Uh, This isn't a discussion about football. It It is feeling sorry for a group of people that I saw on Saturday afternoon. I went to watch Stevenage versus... Carlisle United. Humdinger. Uh, it was. Top of the uh, top of the table clash in League Two. Stevenage, my local side, fancy going to watch some football. Saw them beat Carlisle 2-1. Uh, and then as we were heading back, a little ten-minute jaunt back to home, I sat there and thought about the poor Carlisle United fans. Went on Google Maps. It's a four-and-a-half-hour drive down from Cumbria to Stevenage. Yeah. I would imagine it's it feels a damn sight longer if you've just been beaten 2-1. That's nine hours of driving altogether. Four-and-a-half hours back having just lost. I love the passion, though, to, to travel that distance and everything. So, I mean, I, I had a season ticket for Everton ages ago when James Beattie was playing on his own up front, if you remember that era. So we used to get picked up at Gordano Services in Bristol at half eight in the morning, go and lose, go up to Merseyside, lose, watch them lose, and then get home at nine o'clock at night. For all... <laughs> All that for watching him walking around up front. And they had travelled in quite some numbers. I was, I was, you know, very respectful of what they'd done. Yeah. But a long journey, a lo- and this doesn't need to be just about football, it's about all sorts of things in life. A long, arduous journey for a very disappointing outcome. I remember being convinced by my wife to go and watch a Block Party at the Roundhouse in London. Yeah. They weren't my scene, but she really, really, really wanted to go. And where we live, to go to the Roundhouse, you've got to go all the way into central London back out to the roundhouse only for me to not enjoy the gig and fall asleep during it. Wow, what a critic. And then to go back out, and they're a noisy band. Uh, so I can imagine you turning through and saying, couldn't hear yourself think. <laughs> Did feel like it. So if you have ever undertaken a long journey for a very disappointing outcome, tell us about it, 8, 12, 15. And we really want to hear from someone, because like, you see these on like the Travel Nightmare programmes. You know those people who go abroad and yeah. then they la- can't leave the hotel because there's like a typhoon or something like that? That would be another one. If you're one of them, get 
get in touch. Uh, in one tweet, let me demonstrate to you quite how highbrow the home time audience is. Yes. People talk you lot down, and it's not fair. We always stand up for you. We've been asking for you to tell us about your long journeys that you have taken for disappointing outcomes. Uh, in the sorrow for the poor Carlisle fans I saw on Saturday afternoon. Chris tweets, I drove an hour to Canterbury to visit Thomas Beckett's tomb. It was destroyed in 1538. Oh, my word. That's, that's late to the party on that, isn't it? It's a little bit late to the party, and in some respects, Chris, there is no defence, a little bit of research would have shown there would have been nothing to visit. That's a good point. I mean, I, I can chuck my hat in the ring, and again, it's another roundhouse uh, thing. I don't know whether you mentioned earlier on that you, you, you fell asleep during block party. Uh, that was at the roundhouse. I went all the way, if you remember, not even that long ago, first night out in ages with Colin, my neighbour. We went to go and watch Interpol, got out the tube. Who should text me to tell it's cancelled? My mum. There you go. Why is getting told by your own mum that a gig's cancelled? <laughs> put me in my place. Long journey, disappointing outcome. Yeah, not even that long a journey, but still disappointing. Bush and Richie here with Home Time. A load of great songs on your Monday night. It's still covered by the No Repeat Guarantee. You know that works, no songs repeated. 9am right the way through till 5. Now, it may well not have been over this weekend, but if you have ever been on a very long journey for a very disappointing outcome, we want to hear about it. Tony's tweeted, somebody once rode Pillion from Somerset to Merseyside to buy my 125cc, and he types in inverted commas, motorbike uh, and they rode it all the way back i am certain that they were extremely disappointed that oh, cold wow. february day with their purchase that's terrible that and he's owning up uh, we were suggesting earlier on that the roundhouse the venue in london could be uh, a connector of a curse uh, interpol we went to see him didn't like it uh I, no I, they'd never turned up did they that was that was me a block party for you uh, roger in west sussex says roundhouse again morrissey gig sung four songs went off six sick with laryngitis jonathan ross david williams and russell Brown came on stage to explain it was ill and couldn't continue and they all got heckled off. I was at that gig as well. Roundhouse strikes again. I think it is a roundhouse issue. <laughs> uh, Jules, tell us about your journey. Oh my God, yeah. So uh, when I first started dating my husband back in the late 80s, uh, my father-in-law had a friend who had a holiday cottage in Anglesey. So he booked us a week there during one particular bank holiday, forget which one it is. So we very excitedly drove all the way down there in our crappy VW Beetle and we got there to discover that the actual owner had booked the week as well and he said, I don't know what's happening. We always take the bank holiday so we couldn't do anything else. We had to turn round and drive all the way back home to Manchester oh. and, um, <laughs> and not only did it spring an oil leak, the exhaust fell off somewhere down the road and had to drive back and were you worried that this was a bad metaphor for the relationship going forwards, Jules? Well, we've been married for nearly 30 years now, so I think it was quite a good omen, really. Do you know what? The whole story there, I, I would expect to arrive back in Manchester for Jeremy Beadle to walk down the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, candid camera or something similar. Couple of references yeah. for the kids there, everyone. <laughs> yeah, look them up, get yeah, on Wikipedia. <laughs> no, don't know the born. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Jules. Cheers, Jules. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Last year, we drove to see the Belgian Grand Prix, says this text. Six-hour drive from our home in Guildford. A little bit of context there. Yeah. After waiting in the stands for the race to start, they called it off for rain. I thought they can drive through all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Come on, come on, F1. It was a very quiet drive back home. That is unbelievable. Steve says, long journeys. I went with the then-girlfriend to New York. She wanted to see all the flags outside the UN. The day we went, it was just 200 flagpoles. No flags. <laughs> she said it must have been a wash day. <laughs> 
Do you wash a flag? I think they'd have to take them down and wash them at some point. You think they'd wash one a week and change it up like a rotor? It's not going to get dirty up there, is it? Oh, no. Come on, UN. Come on, F1. Hey, come on, UN. Long journeys, disappointing outcomes. Mark said, I watched James Martin on TV touring Britain. He said the best fish and chips was in Whitby. So two weeks later, I drove there from Worcester Park in Surrey. They were rubbish. My local chip is much better. Do you know what, to balance things out, I've been to Whitby a couple of times. Good fish and chips. I feel another tour coming on. <laughs> oh, that'd be oh. a great idea. I'm up for that. Uh, Michelle says, I've been three times to Paris to visit the Louvre. Close for the first time because of industrial action. The second time there was a security alert. And, I don't, and, and don't go on a Tuesday. They're also closed. She's had three nightmares there at the Best Louvre. Best French pronunciation I've ever heard you do. Is that good? Was do that good? one more time. The Louvre. <laughs> Uh, Johnny, tell us about your trip. Yeah, it was 2015 or 16. Can't remember which one. Uh, and I took my now wife to New York uh, to propose to her. Right. So the, fir- the first night I booked uh, a-, a nice um, meal out in a rotating restaurant that looked over the, the city. Look at you. I-, I did the proposal and everything went great. Yep. And then the next day we did Central Park and other bits and pieces. And the next day we woke up to what was being reported as the worst snow dump on New York for about five years. And we were literally snowed in for three days. Oh, my word. So what, like trapped in the hotel room type thing? Yeah, we, we, could, we could come out and, and sort of walk about the best we could in like three foot of snow, but we couldn't get anywhere. We couldn't go to the World Trade Centre. We couldn't do nothing because everything was shut. Johnny, isn't it a good job she said yes? Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we got something decent back from it. Like, you know, she, she said yes, that's the main job. But well, to be in New York and just sat in a hotel room was... Could you have uh, gone was... back up in the uh, rotating, like, restaurant, seeing if they could go the other way around? <laughs> well, <laughs> we couldn't have there. Seriously, it was that bad. It was dire. It was terrible. Honestly, the best we could do was go to McDonald's opposite in the morning and get a coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It was absolute nonsense. But anyway... Great trip advisor for New York, that one. There you go, five stars. Two two or three grand just to go and sit in a room. It was fantastic. Hey, listen, you got engaged in the love of your life here, sunshine. Yeah, no, that was that, that. Like I say, no, doesn't matter. You can't put a price on that, but, but it still hurts. <laughs> but still, <laughs> <laughs> David's been hanging on uh, to speak to us about it. What happened, David? We were going to be doing a, uh, a robot competition that's in uh, Glasgow, and I was in Nottingham the night before. Drove via Sheffield to pick up my friends. Got all the way to Glasgow, although even with our uh, sat now throwing a fit. Before, before we get to the actual competition itself, David, uh, tell us about the robot. Were, were you involved in building it? Were you helping driving it? Or what was it called? I, I, had, my own, I had my own robot, which was Headbanger. Headbanger? <laughs> nice. heavy metal, so. Brilliant. Brilliant. His, his was a bar spinner called Lynx, and Lynx was the one that um, went into the competition, went in its first fight with a, uh, a nasty horizontal spinner owned by one of the sort of local Scottish teams, and... 16 seconds in, it turned turned away from it, and the spinner blade went straight through the back of Lynx, like through everything, every single key component. That was it, so it basically tore out the entire guts of the machine. That, so that was 16 seconds, and it was just, yeah, complete write off. So, what was your mate's name, and what was his face like when his robot exploded after 15 seconds? Um, his name was Sam, and his face was. <laughs> upset to say the least he literally put his transmitter his controller down and he just sort of walked very sort of deadpan outside and he I didn't see him again for another 20 minutes because 
He was very upset. I'm sorry, does Sam listen to this show, do you know? Because I can't stop laughing, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I I'll, hope he doesn't. Uh, sure pass a message on. I think, he's, I think he's learned his lesson now. Hey, David, with all due respect to your friend who's, who's robot uh, carked it after all that time, how did Headbanger get on that weekend? Yeah. Um, I got third place, so... Oh, oh David! That. That's an awkward drive home, isn't, isn't it? it awkward drive home with your mate. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. So I want to start the second hour of tonight's show with a question, if I may, and it's this. Uh, I had a bath at 10.45pm last night. Is that weird? Because it's slightly... It's been bothering me. No matter what I've been doing today, I've been, in the background of my mind, I've been thinking, that's fine, but you had a, bed, uh, a bath at nearly bedtime quarter to 11, do you know what I mean? Because it feels weird, because I think the later in the evening you go in terms of having a bath, it goes from, uh, there's like a transition from washing to like washing off evidence. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> 9.30pm, you're having a soak. Midnight, you're cleaning yourself off before anyone can see you. Do you know what I mean? There's a slight difference. So I, I just want to put it out there as like, there must be a point right in the night where suddenly it's not alright to have a bath anymore. Mm. Do you think there's a cut-off point? There is, you're at 8.30. 8.30? That's, a, that's very... That's quite an early cut-off point for... Method to it. Go on, then. You're not going to want to spend longer in the bathroom about 45 minutes, otherwise you're going to just wrinkle up. OK, fair so enough. So if you go in 8.30, 9.15, you're getting out, and then you've still got the chance to go downstairs and feel all, like, zen, because uh-huh. you've been in the bath for 45 minutes with all your salts and your candles and all that kind of stuff, and then you go to bed. If you're getting in the bath at 10.45, 10.30, whatever... You're getting out at 11.30 and you've got to go straight to bed. <laughs> Do you you don't get the benefits. You're kind of right because um, I, I got up and was really... You know when you sweat after having a bath? Yes. And I had to put some, break some polystyrene down and put it in uh, the bin out the back with the security light going on and off. And I was like, this is an awful end of the evening. It's nearly like <laughs> half twelve. Everything about what you've described <laughs> sounds a deeply suspicious evening that you're now trying to cover up by doing a little feature on it on this radio show. I think there's also people out there who have unusual time baths. Carla says, I've had baths at midnight before. Not a problem. Uh, there's also, right, there's also, because I put this on Twitter, there's some people who are disparaging about baths in general. So our friend Adrian says, I said, what's the cut-off point for having a bath? He says around about 10 years old. <laughs> are you suggesting that when you, like, growing up shouldn't have baths? So I feel there's, there's a lot to unpack here. So have a little think to yourself. Is there a point where it becomes too late to have a bath in terms of your, how you're perceived by other people. There's unbelievable resistance to having a bath coming in on this show this evening. Colin, we're talking about when's the cut-off point having a bath in terms of it being too late. Colin says 1978. Mog says any time after 1985. Why would you be so anti-bath? <laughs> I had a bath at 10.45pm last night and I'm haunted by the feeling that it may have been too late. I'm not anti-bath, but I, I am thinking it was way too late. Philip's giving a little bit of science to that to back oh, me is up. He? Is he now? Says it's not great for sleep unless it's a cool bath. Body, naturally reduces temperature close to bed so a late bath works against this. Science says at least 90 minutes before bed would be the cutoff. Bathing in cold, cold water Oh, yeah, who am I, Sting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's strictly 7pm, no later. Your view on this, please. It is too late. It's the kind of thing for me, if I heard that going on with one of my neighbours, I would actually make a note in my phone thinking, heard bath running at exactly this time, just in case I needed to give some kind of police report. Imagine that phone in that into Crime Watch UK and it's, it's the one bit of information that cracks the case. Yeah, because I thought, no, this is weird, they're going to need this. I heard him running a bath at 11pm and thought to myself, <laughs> oh, that's strange. Uh, Pip is going right against all this scientific intel we've had about the body needing to calm down and all that kind of stuff in 45 minutes says I can get in a bath whenever and whatever time for two plus hours 
That's a long bath, isn't it? It's going to be like a prune. That is, he's going to be like a prune. Kenguin says on Twitter, he's got a cracking name. At the other end of the scale, I, I had a bath after work at 11am the other day because I fancied one. Now, an early bath, that's also problematic in many ways. Yes, it's very true. An 11am bath. Have we got Dan on the line? Dan, in your opinion, is there a cut-off point where it becomes too late to have a bath? No. I don't think there is. So any time goes, as far as you're concerned, Dan, any time goes for a bath? I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends, really. Because if you, if you normally go to sleep at, like, 9 o'clock, going, to sleep, going in the bath at 8 might disrupt things. Dan, right. what's the latest bath sleep? you've had? Probably about 3 a.m. 3 a.m. bath. I mean, this is my problem. I was thinking, get any later than 11 p.m., the neighbours are going to talk. If you heard someone have running a bath at 3 in the morning down the ro- your road, you'd be like, what's going on in there? What is what is that person trying to rub off from their body? No, I mean, the, the time I had the latest bath was after a gig. Get home <laughs> and you kind of just chill out. After a gig? <laughs> yeah. Who would you who would you been to see that made you want to go and have a bath when you went home? Normally it's playing, but, um, yeah, I mean... Oh, you mean oh, you're a musician? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, sorry, should have been clearer. Yeah, after playing. Right, after what's he, uh, Richie, what's he play? What, what's, what's Dan playing? OK, well if, he's, well, if he's taking a bath, I think he's the drummer. I think he's a saxophonist. Neither, I'm a guitarist and bass player. Look at that. Why does that really move? Old thunder thumbs over there. <laughs> he's working up a sweat. <laughs> yeah. uh, still, the abuse comes in about uh, having a bath. Uh, talking about the cut-off point when it's too late to have a bath. Ellen says uh, the cut-off point is yes after you're nine years old. And then someone else says, here, Bush, uh, the cut-off point is 12. Get in the shower and stop your carry-on. Come on, I had a 10.45pm bath and it just felt a bit late, but some people are saying they don't want baths at all. What will he do this evening? Maybe Matthew's point of view will uh, sway him. Matthew, what do you reckon? <laughs> well, I haven't had one since I was a teenager because I'm just too lanky. Wow, so you're <laughs> too tall, too tall to have yeah. baths. Yeah, yeah, I've been too tall for many years, so I'm just a shower guy all the way. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, yeah. do, you, do you remember and, the, um, the age you was where you were suddenly now out of the out of the frame for being able to have a bath? I don't know, maybe 12, 12 or 13 years old. Imagine that being uh, too, too big a tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I sit in the bath now, I've got my knees against my chin. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about baths, right, you've got your swimming baths. Yes. Why are, Why not, as adults, would we just not go down to the swimming baths? Cause, I what, mean, you for got, a clean? Well, you've got the, your, your chlorine in there, so that, that is cleaning agent, isn't it? Well, I mean, I, I went for a swim at the weekends, nearly six quid. That's a lot if you want to wash yourself comprehensively. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, that is one idea. I prefer to go in a different body of water. I go uh, in the sea a lot and jump off uh, rocks, go coasting, climb wow, up a wow. cliff face a bit, and jump in the sea. So this is what I would say. Just listen to Matthew's story this evening. Is next time you have a bath, don't take it for granted. <laughs> yes, you might not know when you'll get another one. You end up jumping into <laughs> jumping off some rocks. Right, yeah, Harold Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> this is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Bit of a nightmare for Anthony Joshua again over the weekend. Mm. So if you watched that, it was a bit of a bit of a nightmare. Didn't really pan out for him. Uh, another loss, and then the worst bit ever was him having the microphone at the end, just like talking for ages. It was like a, a drunk dad at a wedding. Yeah, get the mic off him. Yeah. Like, it's like your, your mother-in-law should come over and just take. All right, Anthony, let's, let me take that off you for a second. <laughs> the thing I found the most interesting about it, and they do this all the time in boxing now, but uh, it's not just any old fight. It, it was it was in Jeddah, obviously, in Saudi Arabia, but um, it was being billed as the Rage on the Red Sea. <laughs> 
the rage on the. So this is obviously building on the. It started off as the Rumble in the Jungle back yes, in the day. Yes, the Ali. most famous and, and and Rage on the Red Sea does really not have the same vibes, does it? Not in a million years, but it does beg the question, though, right? This is just a flight of fancy. Imagine if your local area, your town, or your village, or your neighbourhood hosted the next World Championship boxing bout. What would it be called? If there's a try and make a little rhyme out of it, like they're done with the Rage in the Red Sea or the Rumble in the Jungle, but for your area, what would it be? Well, I'm in Hertfordshire, so it'd be hostility in Hertfordshire. I like also, Ware's got a good rhyme to it. Well, yeah, I mean, I live in this little town called Ware, but I mean, that's just like a joke name. It's, I mean, what's that, the Wrangling Ware? Wrangling <laughs> <laughs> Ware. That's just my Friday night. But it does sound like any normal Friday night in Ware. Uh, Tim Gatz says the Rumble in Rye Slip. Not quite the same rhyme. I mean, I mean, I grew up obviously in Brixham in Devon. The beatdown in Brixham. The Brixham beatdown. That's good. That's pretty good. So look, we want your suggestions on this. They're obviously lining up the next one, which I think uh, what's his name is going to be fighting a sick next, isn't it? Oh yeah, oh, what's his Fury. face? Uh, Fury. Yeah. So uh, obviously they do take. They listen to this show. Yeah, of course they do. In uh, in uh, boxing headquarters. <laughs> Old Harry Hearn, whatever his name Harry is. Harry Hearn, we've, we've got this nailed. We've we got know this, boxing. We know boxing, back to front. Harry Hearn, if you're listening, get in touch. <laughs> if your neck of the woods was hosting the next World Championship boxing match, tell us, what would it be called? Well, Craig's made a good suggestion. Obviously, Birmingham's just done the uh, Commonwealth Games, just outside in the Midlands, you've got Telford, the Tumble in Telford. Oh, I love that. Tumble in Telford sounds great. I'd, I'd sky plus that one. <laughs> uh, Dale says the kerfuffle in Coventry. I could hear that. The Midlands going for it tonight. Uh, Hemel Hempstead being put forward by Colin. They've got their big snow dome kind of thing there you can have the ham <laughs> you can have handbags in hemel sounds like a n- nightclub uh, <laughs> you're going down handbags tonight see you down at handbags i feel like we've gone a bit tonight i've gone a bit like crazy apologies was it have we eaten something drunk something weird i don't know i had a twix that i dunked no that's my that might be it that's where it all started uh, we're talking about the anthony joshua fight over the weekend that was tagged was tagged the rage on the Red Sea. Love what they do with the whole rhyme thing and the local area in boxing. So look, if your neck of the woods hosted a World Championship boxing match, what would it be called? Uh, Daniel's putting forward the letdown in Littlehampton. Whether that is uh, uh, a reflection on how did that one judge go with a split decision? I can't. I just can't get over it. I, I don't know. He. Uh, we're not going to get into this now, but Anthony Joshua comprehensively lost, didn't he? But one fellow was like, "Oh no, I think he edged it." <laughs> what? What's he watching? Tricky says in our area, it'd be the hoo-ha in headless. Uh, Mike wants to put forward the Hartlepool hullabaloo, which I think is my favourite. Ring-a-ding-ding. And Will for Zachary says the ding-dong in Dundrum. (laughs) The Daily Takeaway. Richie's Daily Takeaway. Right, so thank you very much for making it all the way through a giddy edition of the Daily Takeaway. Uh, you know the post go to write to us. We have had a package. Here it is. Here it is. We're going to open this up right now. So is this from Tracy? From Tracy, who we spoke to in our uh, topic that we were doing the other day about Tin Chat. Yeah, Tin Chat was good. Uh, now, Tracy, if you remember, made, I believe, little tiny teddy bears to put into tins, and they're called Little Pocket Teddies, Dolly's Dimples. I remember. Uh, Dibbush and Richie, it was lovely talking to you on the show. I hope this little teddy pocket tin brings you and Everton lots of luck. Oh. Kind regards, Trace. You can need a bigger tin. <laughs> and here's the tin. It's got like a little teddy bear thing on the front of it. Yeah. We open it up. It looks like a little tin you might have tobacco in, but yeah. obviously... And there's two little tiny teddies. Oh, they're blue as well with a little uh, football quilt. They've got a red card. <laughs> <laughs> She's having a pop at the Alan thing from last season. <laughs> Uh, a football and a bottle of water. I love that. Can I have a look? I, I think that, is, I genuinely, I'm not just saying it, I think that is really, what a lovely little thing. Isn't that good? That's really cute. So, this was sent to you as a good luck charm for Everton. This is a good luck charm for Everton. Who do you play next? It's Fleetwood in the cup. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you need good luck for that, eh? Well, I don't know, have you seen us play? 
Tracy, thank you so much. 